guy. Hey, it's me, Daddy Cage. And we are the hosts of Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. Between the two of us, I have 25 years of wrestling experience. Amazing, Donnie. Uh, I actually have 30 years, so that's 55 years of wrestling watching experience, which just is amazing. Hey, once again, guys, thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode. Uh, if you're new, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, no matter where you're listening to us from. Uh, we do drop new episodes here every Monday and Friday, so be sure to check us out on our other episodes. Uh, Donnie and I always have a lot of fun, and uh, we like bringing you guys and involving you into the conversation. We do talk about wrestling past, present, and future, superstars, and promotions. All right, Donnie, let's get out of here, buddy. Hey, hope you guys enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And your other co-host, Donnie Cage. There he is. How's it going, brother? Going good. How's it going with you, Kentucky Guy? Hey, you know, it's Friday. The week's over. Uh, it's, been a, uh, it's been a pretty uh, wild ride uh, in the world of wrestling this week. A lot of... Uh, interesting things have taken place so yeah it's been a good week yeah so much to talk about so much to talk about i am telling you but before we get into that donnie go ahead and tell everybody about caged voice <laughs> yes if you'd like to listen to my other podcast you can follow the uncaged voice podcast on either twitch or youtube on twitch you can follow it under the top tier rated channel which is a which is operated by Top Tier Brian, or you can also follow us on the official Uncaged Voice Podcast YouTube channel. Yeah, you know, I always call it caged and it's uncaged. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Uncaged Voice, be sure to check that out. It's not caged voice, and it's not uncaged voices, like I mistakenly call it all the time. Uh, yeah, also, uh, if you ever want to stay up date with the current news, or political spectrum, or just listen to some pretty cool interviews, uh, you can always check out the other show that I host, and that is the Red Pill Current News Podcast. We drop new episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. Now, Wednesday's episode, for you that listen to both shows, and I know there's a couple of you out there, um, it has not dropped yet, and the reason why is I had a cancellation. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I promise. You make it two episodes tomorrow. I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. But anyways, here we drop new episodes uh, every Monday and Friday. Uh, also, if you ever want to be a guest on the show here or 
you would like to uh, just send us a word and if you have questions for Donnie or myself. And uh, we are starting to get a few emails, so we definitely appreciate it. You can always do that at OLKentucky99 at Yahoo.com. And don't forget, this podcast here is on all major stations. So be sure to hit follow or subscribe. We are on Pandora, iHeartRadio, let's see, Google, and uh, iTunes. So check us out and all the other ones, too. If you can listen to a podcast somewhere, you're going to be able to listen to Donnie and myself. So just look it up against the Match Wrestling Podcast. Okay, so to start off today's show, uh, we are actually going to do a new segment. Uh, This segment is called Fantasy Booking. Uh, Basically, what it is, is Donnie's picked a wrestler. Uh, It could be a past wrestler, current wrestler, what have you. And we can talk about if uh, a certain match that they fought in the past against another particular wrestler. And we could talk about the boost they would have gotten if they'd have fought whoever we think they should have fought in that match instead of the person that they fought. Uh, And I hope I'm explaining that right. Uh, but Donnie actually come up with this segment. I'm going to give him full credit. Uh, that way, if it bombs, it can be his fault as well. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, but he did come up with the idea, and I, I love it. A lot of you, I've had uh, three emails in the last week uh, asking us to talk more about uh, old wrestling, like the Attitude Era and what have you. And, uh, yeah, we hear you. You, This is your all show. You guys control this show more, more than we do. If it wasn't for you all, there wouldn't be no sense in us doing it. So I love the suggestions. And we're going to take them. We're going to take them and do them as best we can and uh, keep them coming. So, Donnie, sir, I will let you kick everything off. Thank you, Kentucky guy. So this is actually a current wrestler who's actually been making the news a, a lot lately because there's r- r- rampant speculation over to what his next move is going to be in the wrestling world. But, of course, I'm talking about Malachi, a.k.a. Alistair Black. And... My fantasy booking that I wanted to bring forth, I want to take you back to the year 2020, which we know was a terrible year for humanity, but was an interesting year in WWE. It's when they introduced the Thunderdome. It was the only WrestleMania in history that was performed not in front of a live audience, but in front of a, on, on a closed set. So Aleister Black, if you remember, at WrestleMania 36, had just a nothing undercard match against Bobby Lashley. Now, a match against Bobby Lashley obviously should be amazing, and if there had been some sort of build-up to this, it probably would have been a really good match and one of the standouts on the card. But leading up to WrestleMania, Aleister Black wasn't doing much of note. So I want to do a little fantasy booking and say, what if in the main event of Night 2 of WrestleMania... Instead of having Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre, which, Kentucky guy, I know you're not a fan of him, so you'll appreciate this. We swap out Drew McIntyre for Aleister Black and make him the guy who defeats Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Winning the title, he automatically gets legitimacy. He gets to show off his amazing wrestling skills week after week, regardless of whether it's in front of a live audience or not. He was an interesting character who had so many layers to him, and this would have given him that platform to be front and center of WWE programming. You could have built so many feuds up during this time, including a feud with Drew McIntyre, who if you wanted to book him to look strong in the Royal Rumble, you still could have done that. And the two of them could have feuded. But there were so many options, and Aleister Black is a great worker, can cut a promo, And this would have just been a great way to work our way through the year 2020. Eventually, 
you, you get them in back you get them back in front of live crowds and maybe at that time Alistair Black is still champion and the crowd can go nuts and really just just welcome him back to performing in front of millions of people around the world and thousands in attendance and I don't know I just feel like this would have been a much better use of Alistair Black's talents rather than having him compete in a meaningless undercard match at WrestleMania basically disappearing from television getting an eye injury, which I don't even remember how he got that eye injury. But um, then, he, then he shows up briefly on that short-lived segment, Raw Underground, which I don't know what they were thinking with that. It was an awful segment that they tried to get over desperately and it never did. And, I mean, the next thing you know, the guy just a year later is released from the company to very little fanfare. So I just think it was a tremendous waste of his talents and he could have been booked a lot better. Okay, now, am I allowed to comment on what you said, or I just go into mine? You go right ahead, sir, if you have something to say about it. I do, I do. Uh, so, first of all, uh, Alistair Black, uh, you're absolutely right about his talent. Uh, he, uh, he was dominant in NXT, came to the main roster, and like uh, used to, the, the previous head of creative uh, on Raw and SmackDown, uh, just pretty much washed away uh, all the uh, accolades that these wrestlers accomplished on NXT. So I agree with you there. However, the difference I would have done is I would have let, because Drew McIntyre actually won that match with Brock Lesnar, right? Somehow they put him over and he he won that match. Am I correct? Yeah, and it was a short match. <laughs> yeah, so I would have I would have continued that match and let that happen because there was no crowd. The next WrestleMania, whoever was champion, uh, I, I know it wasn't Drew McIntyre. He didn't hold the title that long, I don't think. But whoever was champion, maybe Ben Brock Wrestler, then in front of a crowd, I would have brought Aleister Black out and had him win the title. You see, that's that's one thing about they. That's one thing they did. If you're ever going to put a title around somebody like Drew McIntyre, do it when nobody can watch it, so nobody gets sick and pukes all over the place. So. Uh, that that's the only thing I'd change, but you are you're spot on about he was underutilized. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, did you have a rebuttal before I move on? No, not really a rebuttal. Just basically to say that Paul Heyman, who was at the time the the head writer for Raw, was a huge Alistair Black fan, and apparently he had a lot of big plans for him, but just higher ups kind of shut it down, and that's why his push never went anywhere. Yeah, that's the one fault. I mean, there's many. He has a lot of fault. He, faults. He's human. But that's the one huge fault I've always disagreed with Vince McMahon on when he was head of creative. Uh, just, uh, I don't know. There's so many, uh, just like letting Adam Cole leave. How do you let a talent like that leave and not bring him up to the main roster and actually uh, put him to work? You know, a lot of these guys, they've seen what happened to Aleister Black. They've seen what happened to Ricochet. Uh, and, I mean, the list goes on from people that were on NXT. Uh, luckily, you know, Riddle, because of Randy Orton, I think he would have been in the same boat, uh, if he wouldn't have did RK Bro. So, uh, I just, that's one thing I've always disagreed with Vince on is the way he writes these guys off. And these guys are, you know, look at Karrion Cross. Uh, he was NXT. He beat, uh, uh, Finn Balor. I mean, I, the list goes on, man. He was amazing in NXT. And he comes and Jeff Hardy, you know, 
Jeff Hardy beats him. What? <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, I agree. So I'm going back a little bit further. This this guy is still wrestling. Uh, he is not in the WWE or uh, or NXT, but he's wrestling independent and has been for a while. Uh, he, his name is Loki, and Loki, in my opinion, was probably one of the best wrestlers uh, during uh, – he still is. He's still amazing. I don't know if uh, if you guys still uh, get a chance to ever see him in, on the independent scene, but he's still amazing. Uh, but he was in the WWE, uh, and he had a strong uh, win-loss record. He was doing amazing. Back in 2010, they booked him in a Survivor Series match uh, against Dolph Ziggler. And I truly believe that that was a waste of his talent. Not only did they let Ziggler sneak and win the match and get a win over him after he just beat Ziggler fair and square on SmackDown uh, right before then. SmackDown was actually on uh, Thursday nights back then. Uh, so it was right before the Sunday pay-per-view. Uh, I, I thought it was horrible. Who he should have fought, same year, same uh, same uh, Survivor Series, he should have fought another guy who wasted his time as Survivor Series as well. And that guy was... And I'm not saying he should have won it, but he was definitely good enough. But the gentleman I'm talking about was Randy Orton, who was actually the world champion in 2010. But no, they couldn't do that. They wasted his match against the head of Nexus, Wade Barrett. And it was just a waste of time. It wasn't, nobody, nobody thought Wade Barrett was going to become champion, uh, even back then. And I know we're talking, what, uh, 12 years ago, but, if you think back or you go back on YouTube and you watch that match, the build-up to it and everything, nobody thought that Barrett, and he didn't, have a chance to beat Randy Orton. And that wasn't bad news, Barrett. Don't get me wrong. Bad news, Barrett, and the leader of Nexus, Barrett, are two different wrestlers because he grew a lot before he came uh, bad news, Barrett. I actually like that character, and uh, he could have been a champion then. But anyways, if imagine if Loki would have fought Randy Orton, just been in the match. A main event match against somebody like Randy Orton with that caliber. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking Dolph Ziggler, but let's face it. For the last 15, 16 years, uh, Dolph Ziggler is, he's just a benchmark now. You know, you beat him, uh, you, you know, you've made the mark to be, call yourself a superstar. Uh, he's not been championship material since Big E was his bodyguard. Anyways, imagine if uh, Loki fought Randy Orton in the main event. Not saying he has to, he doesn't have to win. But I think he's possible because his career went downhill with WWE. Uh, it's possible that he may still be with them because he's still wrestling. He went on to uh, Impact Wrestling and won the world title and was amazing. Don't forget, this is a guy that was in the WWF for quite a while, a long, longer than he was when he was in the WWE. And he left, and anytime you leave for another promotion... Vince McMahon always held it against him. And that's why he never could get off the ground uh, when he came back. So what do you think about that, sir? Well, I think it's definitely a good bit of fantasy booking, and I wish it would have taken place because I have always been an admirer of Loki's talent. Um, 
what's interesting is I remember hearing an interview with him one time from a few years ago, and he actually openly said that when he broke into wrestling, WWE was not one of his original goals because he was always more of a fan of the New Japan style of wrestling. And he, he had aspirations to work for a company like that more so than WWE. Now, obviously, he made a name for himself in TNA for many years, TNA Impact Wrestling. Um, but the opportunity came up for him to join WWE, so he was in the developmental system for a little while. They brought him up to the main roster for, for season two of when NXT was a competition rather than a, an actual developmental brand. And he won the second season, and then that meant he was going to get a title shot. And, of course, they squandered his whole main roster run. I mean, I don't, I don't remember if it lasted more than three or four months. It wasn't that long at all. And then he was out of the company. So he was definitely a wasted opportunity. I mean, there's no reason. Even if they didn't put him in the main event, there's no reason he couldn't have at least competed on a regular basis for, like, the Intercontinental or um, U.S. title or been put in a tag team. He, he's definitely a guy that could have been a solid hand on the upper mid card at the very least. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely agree with you. A lot of wasted potential there with Loki. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about a world champion on impact, a world champion on ring of honor. And he did, uh, he did have a title in new Japan. It wasn't the war. It might've been like the television title or something. Uh, but he did work there and he did very well. Um, and I loved the, uh, the character that he had in the WWF where he was like a hitman, uh, and he always wore the white shirt with the suspenders. Uh, I, I don't know why, but where he knew, uh, jujitsu, um, it just kind of matched the outfit. It was kind of like it watching him wrestle. And it's still, I went, uh, earlier when I knew we were doing this segment and I was doing my research, it, even watching videos of him now, it's, it's like you're watching a video game. I mean, this guy's so quick and I found an old match in ring of honor between him and the American Dragon, uh, Brian Danielson, and you talk about a match, dude. That was great. I don't know if you've watched it or not, but that was fantastic. If you haven't, I definitely recommend it because it was uh, it was great. These both they both were in their prime, and you talk about a match. It was fantastic. Also, him and Christopher Daniels have had some great matches as well. Oh, absolutely, and I remember that from their time in TNA. I have seen clips of him wrestling Brian Danielson at different points. And you know, it's funny, we you mentioned Ring of Honor as well, because he was the very first Ring of Honor champion, low-key. And I actually, as we're talking through this fantasy booking segment, you know, Tony Khan, if you're listening, you're missing a golden opportunity with Ring of Honor to bring back one of the, one of the legends from that promotion. You're absolutely right. I never even thought of that. If you're going to do something, you've already got... Uh, Samoa Joe, as bad as I hate to admit it, he is, uh, you know, he was the longest reigning uh, Ring of Honor champion. So he's got your television title right now. You bring Loki back uh, and you've got the best champion that you could possibly have right now. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, the new Ring of Honor champion. So why not? Yeah, I agree. hundred um, percent. So, uh, yeah, man, I love that segment. I think we're going to start doing that. Uh, definitely appreciate the idea. Uh, hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, let us know. Absolutely, because uh, I like that. It doesn't take that long, and uh, you know, it, it definitely creates a good conversation. So, yes, sir, like it. 
let's uh let's move on to uh AEW Dynamite. Uh I'm going to start off with uh AEW this week because well frankly, between AEW uh Dynamite and Monday Night Raw, uh AEW won this week in my eyes, hands down. Yeah, I will not I will not argue with that. <laughs> so uh so AEW has a brand new world heavyweight champion, John Moxley, who the Kentucky guy picked and who Donnie Cage did. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Actually, that was a very, very good match. Um, these guys, you know, I'm not a, you guys know this, I'm not a Danielson fan, but he really fought his butt off in that match. That was a great, great match. And I thought he was going to turn on him there for a minute when he pulled the belt out of Regal's hand. So he had me in suspense. I almost was like, oh, maybe I do like this guy. But no. You know, he shook his hand and put the belt on John Moxley. But anyways, uh, I thought that was a great match. I'm not going to say it was the best match of the night, even though it was the main event, but I thought it was a good match. Your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was interesting the way the match ended because they didn't do a traditional, um, you know, paradigm, paradigm shift or a signature move. It, it came down to a good old-fashioned submission and chokehold and, in many ways, that was almost like beating the American Dragon at his own game. As much as it disappointed me, I mean, got to give Moxley credit. I mean, he he took it to him, and he wore him out at the end of that match. And he's I mean, he's now a three-time AEW World Champion, which is, you know, good for him. Yep, he's the Grand Slam AEW Champion. And, you know, I mean, I like Moxley. Uh, he definitely deserves it. I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I, I know I picked him last week. But I'm going to be honest with you, I'm kind of surprised because he was supposed to, after he lost against CM Punk, he's supposed to be on vacation, like, and now he's champion again. And so, I don't know. Uh, but what I did love is MJF absolutely ripping him apart, uh, talking about him. He comes out and he uh, he uh, interrupts Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta gets smarts. And slaps MJF. But guess what? Big Cass comes out and absolutely destroys Yuta. Uh, you know, Yuta, I used to be a big fan of Willer Yuta until he joined the combat club and uh, became a wimp. But uh, anyways, what are your thoughts about that? I thought MJF was fantastic. He looked great. Uh, I loved what he had to say about Moxley. And uh, I think that's going to be one heck of a match. Well, like I said, MJF knows how to push all the right buttons to get under people's skin. And uh, I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion. Moxley is a fighting champion, and he's not going to go down without a fight. But as we've seen, MJF has Stokely Hathaway in the firm in his back pocket. So the unfortunate part is that MJF could potentially use the numbers game to his advantage, which many would say is a smart heel tactic. Time will tell. But uh, it will be it will be something worth watching when these two do collide for the AEW World Title. Completely two opposites when it comes to their fighting style, and uh, yeah, I'm there for it. I'm like you. I think it's going to be tremendous. Um, and the next match uh, that the Kentucky guy predicted correct, and Donny Cage was wrong. Uh, we have Chris Jericho versus Claudio. For the uh, Ring of Honor World Title and Le Champion, finally, 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 uh, 
we get rid of Claudio. Hopefully he leaves the company and he goes in hibernation somewhere. Finally, they get rid of that belt around him and put it on a true champion. So this is what I was talking about. Now you have a real champion for Ring of Honor, and you have Samojo. He's still the television champion or whatever. Uh, bring Loki back, and now you've got a solid base you can build something on. But uh, anyway, sir, what's your thoughts about that match? Solid match, and uh, you know Jericho. Uh, Jericho took, uh, you know, kicked uh, Claudio between the legs when the referee wasn't watching, so he used some dirty tactics, but. That's just veteran instinct right there. When you see an op- an opportunity, you take it. And Jericho certainly didn't hesitate. And then he hit the Judas effect and it was all over for Claudio. Do I potentially see a rematch in the future? You never know. I mean, uh, Claudio might get a shot to try to regain the Ring of Honor Championship again. Or we might see an, a new challenger emerge for Jericho, which I would be interested in seeing. But, uh, I mean, kudos to him. Kudos to Led Champion that. Uh, uh, getting another notch on his belt. I personally think that uh, it's going to be the uh, Ring of Honor Pure champion. Uh, Daniel Garcia is going to be his next challenger. Uh, I don't know. I, I just I see that going south. Uh, especially, uh, I don't know if you caught it, but when he walked out, when the rest of the Appreciation Society was congratulating Jericho on his victory, uh, he walked out, but he did not run up and pat Jericho and he had a strange look on his face. Did you catch that? Oh, I certainly did. And, uh, they've been planting the seeds for a little while. So this relationship might, uh, might turn South in pretty quick fashion. You know, here's a thought. Uh, the pure ring of honor championship title was from the old regime. that used to run ring of honor. What if they do, uh, they do a match between the two and they unify the belt. That could be interesting, right? It could, and they, uh, they, they, they've unified it in the past. In you know, Ring of Honor's original iteration, I remember it was Nigel McGuinness and Brian Danielson, ironically, who competed in a unification match, and Brian Danielson won that one back in the day. And you know, potentially uh, because of his history with Ring of Honor, maybe that will be. The next thing that's in line for Brian Danielson, maybe we'll see him go at, try to go after the Ring of Honor Championship that's currently held by Jericho. Now that being said, they did have two matches recently, so although one, although they split them one and one, so potentially if they were to wrestle a third time and it was for the Ring of Honor Championship, that could serve as the rubber match. Um, look, I know you're a Brian Danielson fan, but uh. They didn't put the title on him, and uh, because it, with John Moxley, they gave it back to John Moxley uh, because they don't want to devalue the title, putting it on somebody like Brian Danielson. So, uh, yeah, I think that his title day should be done. I think he should. I mean, he's a good wrestler. Let him go out there and you know do his kicks or whatever and karate chops. But yeah, keep the title, keep him out of the title picture. We don't want a boring champion like him. So. Uh, the next match was for the title as well. Uh, Tony Storm, uh, who Johnny Cage actually predicted, and I was wrong, uh, actually wins and retains her title. However, <laughs> however, Jamie Hayter, Mr. Cage's love, comes back to the good side and falls back in line under Britt Baker. Loved it and destroyed Tony Storm. So your thoughts on that match? 
Well, I'm glad my prediction was right because I did say that Tony Storm was going to retain. I was a little surprised, though, uh, to see that uh, Jamie Hayter uh, realigned herself with Dr. Britt Baker. There's still part of me, though, that thinks there's more to this than meets the eye. And that the, 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 the two of them could, uh, could, uh, could be combustible elements somewhere down the line. Maybe from a miscommunication or whatever the case is. I, I mean, for now, I think they've mended their relationship. But that's not necessarily going to stick. You know, sir, you are like every Britt Baker hater out there. Okay? Jamie Hater figured out that she was doing wrong by not standing beside the greatest female wrestler in AEW, Britt Baker. And she figured it out. She had a come-to-Jesus moment, and she's back on the good side. I'm proud of her. I thought she, I, you actually had me convinced. I thought that she was going to join the dark side and actually, uh, you know, interfere and cost Britt Baker the title. But she come to her senses, and I thought it was great. The next match... Mr. Cage was right on as well, and I was wrong. Uh, and that is, we have new AEW Tag Team Champions. The Ascent uh, actually beat Swerve and Glory. I am so shocked about this match. First of all, I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, they had a good match at All Out. They did. They had a great match. Uh, this match was not as good, I didn't think. And it was actually kind of boring. I actually got up in the middle of it and uh, went and got something to drink or did something. Made a phone call or something. Uh, and missed the end of it. Had to actually rewind it and uh, watch how they actually won. Um, there was no, they actually won fair and square. There was no uh, no fallout between uh, Swerve and Glory, which I thought would happen to cost them the title, not against these fools, but against somebody. But uh, yeah, we've got new champions. So congratulations, sir, on getting that one right. Your thoughts? Well, I think the right. I think the right team won as far as the future of Swerve in, the, in their glory, uh, maybe they'll remain a tag team a little while longer, but I think they're going to split up. And, you know, hopefully, like you said, hopefully Swerve will have an opportunity to uh, shine as a single star. And maybe Keith Lee will, will just go back to the, uh, as you would say, the, uh, the, the, the catering truck where he belongs. 100% correct. Thank you, sir. Yes, 100% correct. Uh, the next match. We actually both got correct. Uh, we both picked Pack to uh, retain his North Atlantic uh, champion match. Um, I'll be honest with you. I seen sparks, a little bitty sparks of greatness from that orange-haired guy. But here's the problem. Uh, he would do something stupid, like put his uh, uh, hands down his pants and, and kick Pack and just to make him mad. And he'd ruin it. He'd do something kind of genius, uh, like a DDT that he did that was, I was, whoa. I mean, uh, you have to be athletic to do that. And I actually gave him props for it. But then he turns around and does something totally stupid with his sunglasses. So I'm glad Pac kept the title. Um, I kind of wish that he would have destroyed him a little bit more uh, to knock that cockiness out of him. But, yeah, I like the match. What about you, sir? Yeah, I mean... I've seen hints of uh, real talent from Orange Cassidy every now and then. He will surprise you, but undoubtedly, I, I, I wanted Pac to win this match, and I hope he gets a more serious opponent going forward, because if someone 
were to take the title off of him. It should be a competitor who you feel could realistically beat him. I didn't think that Orange Cassidy would realistically unseat Pack. Now, if you were to take a guy like, say, Miro, I, I feel that would be more uh, some more solid competition for the current All-Atlantic champion. Hey, you know, you brought up a good point, uh, and I don't have this uh, wrote down in my notes, but uh, you just brought it up, and, and that's why I love having you as a co-host, because we bounce ideas off each other. Um, oh, did I say that out loud? I mean, that's why I hate you as a co-host. No. Uh, so where is Murrow? Where, where is where, uh, Rusev? Where's he at? I haven't seen him in a while. And you're right. He should be the one challenging for that belt because he was in the original uh, match for her with Aleister Black. So where is he? What, what's going on with that guy? I I wish I knew. It's uh, it's like one minute you see him and then he disappears for two months off of television and then he's back. Yeah, I uh, uh, you talk about a waste of talent. Right there's a waste of talent. That guy is, and I thought uh, he, you know what? He'll probably be maybe even next week uh, or Monday's episode in my fantasy uh, booking because uh, WWE wasted him too there at the, for the last, I don't know, two years of his career. Uh, Sammy uh, Guevara, oh, Sammy, he has hinted on his YouTube channel, and now he hinted on Dynamite that uh, maybe it's time for him to leave uh, AEW. I thought at first that it was a work, uh, but I'm not for sure right now because of uh, some of the things the dirt sheets and Dave Meltzer are saying. So what are your thoughts about him? You think it's a work or they're trying to do an MJF thing with him or, or what? I mean, if they're trying to do an MJF thing with him and it's a, and it is a work, to me, it just shows a lack of originality. I mean, you can't have every other wrestler acting like they're, you know, they're on their YouTube channel saying, oh, I might want to look look for greener pastures or whatever, because then it becomes predictable. And you start to realize, wait a second. Oh, so every wrestler is going to act like they're they're doing a shoot and saying they're going to leave AEW. It's like, no, when MJF did it, which we still to this day don't know how much of it was a work and how much was a shoot. But when MJF did it, it at least had some credibility because you didn't know there was the, there was that, that big question mark. Um, the CM Punk thing was kind of the same thing for a little while until we very quickly realized that it was a shoot. It, it was very real what was going on when all those suspensions were thrown out. But if every other wrestler just starts doing it, then it loses its effectiveness. So, I mean, I personally don't think Sammy Guevara is going anywhere for the foreseeable future. I, I mean, would there be interest from other promotions? I'm, I'm sure there would be. He's, you know, he's talented and he's young, so he's got a lot of upside. But I, I don't think he's leaving AEW anytime soon. Yeah, I don't either. I think maybe, though, it was just him belly aching. You know what I mean? Because he just recently uh, uh, lost the match to be in the world title picture again. I think maybe maybe they weren't really trying to work us, but it was just kind of like him belly aching. You know what I mean? Um, but now MJF was on a podcast called Wrestling Wrestling or whatever uh, this week. And he said, uh, and I, I kind of believe him because he wasn't actually playing a part. He was kind of, he was being legitimate and then he was playing a part in a way. But he did say that uh, Tony Khan gave him more money, didn't extend his contract. So that is true. 
We reported that in the last episode. He verified that on this podcast. And he also was asked about this, and he said it started out as a shoot, and then it became a work. He said when he first started, when it first started out, he was done. He was not coming back. But they reached an agreement, and evidently he got the pay raise before he came out on that dynamite and did that pipe bomb. That was all. That was all the work, by the way. He admitted to that. But it did start out as a shoot. And I kind of thought it did because I, I, I was the one saying, man, I, uh, he was just on the Internet complaining about, <laughs> you know, everything that he's saying. So uh, so that was that was interesting to find that out. So it did start. He was it was for real. Um, and then, uh, you know, it turned into a work, of course. Now, you said something very interesting, and I hope the audience has paid attention to it. The thing with the backstage brawl with the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, CM Punk, and CM Punk's buddy, I want to reiterate, that was not a work. That is for real. I know a lot of people are saying that it was a work and they don't believe it in this net. I'm telling you, I promise you, there's too much evidence. I've watched too many podcasts with these wrestlers, Adam Page and these guys talking about it, Kenny Omega even. I call one with him. Uh, this, this was an absolute shoot. This was for real, real life. Uh, and I understand they've took titles before, uh, for works and it's hard, especially, uh, pre-internet for a lot of the older wrestler fans to understand because a lot of the old wrestler fans actually thought this thing was real all along. <laughs> uh, but, and they feel like they've been deceived for so many years, but this was real life CM Punk being a jerk. And he got called on it. So this was this was not, and Donnie just said, it was not a work at all. So keep that in mind, you Twitter maniacs out there. I see what you're writing. Stop it. Uh, then we had a debut, uh, which kind of shocked me. I didn't see it coming. Uh, not this quick. Uh, Paige, uh, who is actually Sarah uh, in AEW's eyes, uh, she makes her debut. Uh there was a report as soon as she came out uh, saying that she was not cleared to wrestle yet. So I did some digging. I seen that report and she actually took to Twitter to react to the recent report that uh, actually was from Dave Meltzer, the wrestling observer that stated that she was uh, hoping to get cleared soon, but not yet cleared to wrestle. She, she didn't really confirm or deny uh, what he said, but she tweeted Ignore the dirt sheet clickbait. See you Wednesday. Hashtag AEW Dynamite. So, I don't know. I know that uh, she's going to be fighting uh, Britt Baker soon uh, is, is her intentions. So, if she's not clear to wrestle, then she's going to be cleared very soon because she actually kind of threw down. I, I mean, I consider it a, a challenge. Uh, she threw down uh, to Britt Baker when uh, she interrupted there at the end. What do you think, sir? I mean, it's a big, it's a big acquisition for AEW. No question about it. My big question, though, is, is she actually going to be able to wrestle? Because it's one thing to get cleared to wrestle, but we, we, you and I both know that she has a history with some serious neck injuries, and that's what forced her to retire a few years ago. And I know she's been taking time off from the ring. She hasn't been taking any bumps or anything like that. 
So, I mean, I, I hope that she's healthy enough to restart her in-ring career, which was prematurely ended. But I, I, I don't know yet. Uh, may, maybe the, maybe the, right now she's got to kind of limit the amount of physical activity she gets involved in in the ring. Like, maybe she can throw a couple of punches and kicks, but she can't take any bumps yet. I don't know. We'll have to wait and wait and play it by ear. But I mean, I do hope that she's going to be able to get back in the ring and not just be an on-camera personality. Because I think if she were just an on-camera talent, not actually wrestling in the ring, I mean, that would be a little bit of a waste of her talent. Yeah. Uh, if I'm honest, back when I used to care about female wrestling, um, back in the day, <laughs> um, she was my favorite female wrestler. Uh, and I, I hate hate, 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 uh, that she's going to come in and go against my current favorite, Britt Baker, uh, and those two fight against each other, because uh, I do not know who I would root for. Um, one of the big things, though, um, Donnie, with her, yes, she does have neck injury, but well, the real behind-the-scenes story is she had a very bad cocaine addiction as well which caused her to originally get hurt and kind of prolonged uh, because at one time, and I seen her do an interview not that long ago, at one time, uh, Stephanie McMahon and Vince McMahon called her. She was so high in the back room area that uh, they thought she was dead. I, I mean, I, that come out of Paige's mouth. She was laughing about it. Uh, she's clean and sober now, she says. I hope she is. Uh, and... Uh, so I do see her uh, coming back gradually uh, in the ring. Um, I did like it when she was GM of SmackDown. I thought she did a great job uh, the way that she uh, put her buddies over. And, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. But anyways, uh, yeah, man. Um, so just to kind of give you a little bit of background, she did have a very bad cocaine addiction, uh, which played not the not the only part, like she got hurt. She got hurt because she was high, uh, but it did play a part with them letting her come back, uh, you know, anytime soon. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we stopped seeing her uh, because she continued using. Uh, that's why we didn't see her anymore as GM on SmackDown as well. So I went. I, I didn't know if you were aware of that or not, sir. So I figured I'd throw that in there. That that I was not, that part I was not aware of. I was aware that she had a lot of personal uh, turmoil she was dealing with. I mean, most people know at one point she was in a relationship with Alberto Del Rio, Alberto El Patron, um, and they had a very tumultuous relationship. And a lot of that, and also there was that controversy involving that sex tape of hers that leaked on the internet. Um, not going to go into that, but but uh, a lot of that led to her having a major downward spiral in her personal life, and she was going through like depression and anxiety and everything. And I think I even heard rumors that she was contemplating suicide at one point because that's how that's how dark her life had gotten. But she obviously has pulled herself back, and you know the the first thing, the first and foremost, you know, you you just want her to be healthy and happy. But obviously, if she can get back in that ring and stay healthy and resume her wrestling career, then more power to her. Yeah, and uh, her and Alberto Del Rio, they they were, you know, you know what the, who they remind me of is uh, Johnny Depp and and uh, that chick that he just went through all that trial with. They're just they're too toxic. 
Amber right. Heard, they're toxic. Yeah. They're too to- they they're too toxic for each other. And uh you mix something like that, and what do you have? You have a volcano, you know? Um so uh tonight is Rampage's uh Grand Slam. And boy oh boy, they have a lot of matches. We're gonna run through them uh real quick. Uh and it's uh I think they're going to beat SmackDown like uh, Dynamite beat Raw. Uh, maybe we see, because I think Rampage tonight's two hours, so maybe finally, finally, Tony's waking up and sees he needs to do more with that show because he's just got too many wrestlers. Uh, so anyways, they have a golden ticket battle royal, and we won't make any predictions on this because I don't really know who's in the battle royal. Um, it, it didn't list any names. Um, and the winner receives a future AEW World Championship match. So I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, you have a, I don't know how many title shots you're going to give out at a time because you have MJF that has that uh, chip that he can cash in. Uh, he and uh, Oh, he was asked on that uh, podcast interview, uh, is the chip like money in the bank? Can you just cash it in when you want? And no, that isn't true. He actually has to give a 24-hour notice before he, chi- uh, before he ships it in, I guess you could say. No pun intended. So that was interesting. Uh, and I this golden ticket, I would assume it's just like the chip. Um, you know, and, and what they should do is if you want to make your other titles relevant, make this battle royal like for the trios champion or something uh, instead of making everything about the world title. Yes, the world title should be the most prestigious title. But, I mean, how many challengers are you going to have at a time? It just... You know, you only have one, one, one champion, so it doesn't make any sense to me. Your thoughts? I agree. I mean, if you're just going to make every single battle royal or ladder match or whatever about a world title shot, it's like, have you forgotten that there are other belts on your show? You've got the TNT Championship. You've got the All-Atlantic Championship, not to mention the tag titles and the trios title. I mean... And, th- and obviously that's not counting the women's championships as well, but it's like, uh, let's not forget that there are other title belts. And when you just push them aside like they mean nothing, well, yeah, eventually they, they do mean nothing and they're just props. That's why almost nobody talks about the TNT title right now, because what has Wardlow really done with it since he won it? I mean, it's not his fault. It's just bad booking, but there hasn't been much that's been done with that belt since he won it. Well, it's kind of his fault because he should never had that title. You know, Warlow wouldn't be over at all if it wasn't for MJF. I mean, he's just a big old muscle-bound doofus. I don't know. He, he just and, and that's they, Miro should have never lost that belt, in my opinion. He was he made that belt. Uh, he actually made you care about that belt. You know, he was calling calling himself the chosen one, and I, I really enjoyed that character, and I thought he was. Uh, you know, I thought he did Worlds of Wonder, and he actually made a statement uh, a, a month ago or something that the uh, that title hasn't been relevant since it was around him. And I have to agree. I have to agree with him. I think Darby Allen did a great job before he lost it to him, but uh, I have to agree. Uh, he made that title. Um, the next match is Ray Phoenix versus Jungle Boy. Uh, I think that Ray Phoenix is going to, Beat Jungle Boy. I know he had an impressive win, uh, but eh, you know, I mean, I I know they're looking at him for the future. It's just uh, I just don't see it yet. I I don't I don't uh, I just don't 
I just don't think he's ready. I mean, I think he's a good wrestler, but uh, Ray Phoenix, man, and his brother are pretty dominant in the ring. And, and Ray may be just a little bit better than his brother. Uh, I enjoy watching him. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Jungle Boy's got his hands full tonight. Your thoughts? It's going to be a high-flying matchup, show, a showcase for both of their talents, no question. Uh, but, I mean, if I'm book if I'm booking the match and I'm trying to be smart, well, I mean, Ray Phoenix is part of the trio's champions, and right now you want to make those three look strong. So I would... I would book him to win this match right now. I, I'd let Jungle Boy put up a good fight, but I definitely feel like Ray Phoenix should prevail here. Exactly. Es- especially since you had him and his brother lose against Swerve and Glory last week, which made zero sense whatsoever. Uh, you know, once again, it comes to, do you want to make these titles prestigious? And if you don't, let's move on. Do away with them. Uh, Eddie Kingston. Actually, uh, this is actually, uh, I'm surprised they're having this match. Uh, he's going against Sammy Guevara, uh, who not that long ago had a real feud and, uh, behind the scenes and Eddie actually, uh, was suspended. Uh, once again, Eddie Kingston, uh, don't know why he's in this match. Uh, he needs to be fighting someone like, uh, like Jungle Boy, to be honest with you. That, that would be a good match because they're, they're both on the same level. Uh, Eddie Kingston is not a, not a good wrestler. And, uh, I hope Sammy destroys him. He should. Your thoughts. I agree. hundred percent. Sammy Guevara, definitely a bigger star than Eddie Kingston, regardless of how many years in the business Eddie Kingston has. I've just, I've never personally been a fan or seen the appeal. So Sammy Guevara all the way. I am actually looking forward to this next match because I don't know this gentleman that well. Uh, I've been watching the hypes uh, to this match, but we have a tagging match and Action Bronson uh, and his partner Hook, uh, who is not to be a champion, is they are not letting giving him this guy enough TV time, and they're missing the boat. Unbelievable! As big a part as Taz plays in this, his own father, that uh, they really need to wake up. But anyways, they're facing Daddy Magic, which is Matt uh, Menard and a cool hand, Angelo Parker. Uh, you know, and I think Hook and uh, this Action Brockton guy are going to destroy these two. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be great. I I don't know who these guys are, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand. I can't place them. Are these the two that are in the Jericho Society or... That's that's right. They are they are members of the Jericho uh, Appreciation Society, uh, but they are they're sort of like the two members of the Jericho Appreciation Society who are just sort of there. They're like they're like extras in the background, kind of like the NWO back in the day. You had the B team. That's what these guys are. They're essentially the B team of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Yeah, I remember uh, when he created the uh, Jericho Society, and these two came out with daniel garcia and uh i'm sitting there and i'm like daniel garcia makes sense uh these two do not they they don't fit uh, you know what i'm saying like you said they're in the background but they don't fit they, they just i don't know they're uh but they did get a contract extension i remember reading that not that long ago which i i don't know maybe maybe they're going to push them I, I i don't know but this action bronson guy i don't know him and 
Do you know him? I, I'm looking forward to watching him. He's a big guy. Yeah, never, never heard of him in my life. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I'm, you know, you're talking to somebody that uh, watches every every promotion, just about, or at least clips from every promotion. If I can't get them all in, and uh, I'm pretty big UFC MMA fan as well, and I don't know this guy. I know the name, but it's a different action Bronson. It's actually a uh, uh, a uh, colored guy that used to fight in UFC a long, long, long time ago, back when UFC was uh, was red hot. But it wasn't this guy, uh, so I don't know. Uh, Samoa Joe is going to once again defend his Ring of Honor World Title against Josh Woods. This is interesting because Josh Woods just had a chance uh, last week for the Ring of Honor Television Champion. So I'm kind of wondering if you remember, uh, Mister Cage. Uh, I said I thought Samoa Joe was going to drop that title in that match. And look what happened with Swerve and Glory on their rematch. And, uh, you know, they dropped it. So I'm just wondering if this isn't Josh Woods. uh, I'm going to pick Josh Woods to win this match. Maybe it's his time to be champion. I don't know why they're having this rematch. Why why else would they? Why would you have the same match twice, two weeks in a row, and uh, the same outcome? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it's it's certainly interesting, and clearly they see something in this Josh Woods if they're putting him against Samoa Joe again. But, be that as it may, I think based on the way the match ended last week with uh, TNT champion Wardlow also getting involved, because don't forget you've also got Jay Lethal, um, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh in the, uh, you know lingering in the background, I feel like... Um, they might try to get involved in this match to help Josh Woods, but uh, Wardlow might come out and uh, come to Samoa Joe's aid, uh, which would lead to Samoa Joe retaining. Yeah, um, I don't know. Once again, that big muscle-bound stupid guy is going to get involved. You're probably right. Uh, we have another title match. Uh, Jade Cargill, the uh, TBS champion, uh, will defend her title. And I, I don't know this lady. I've seen her. Uh, uh, Diamante, I guess you call her. Um, I, I think that Jade, she's not the one to dethrone Jade Cargo, in my opinion. Um, I thought that was going to be Athena. I don't know now. Uh, maybe Paige, uh, but I don't think this young lady is the one to stop that streak. Uh, your thoughts? I think this is a, an easy win for Jade Cargill. I mean, not an easy win in the sense that the match will only be two minutes long, but I, I I don't see her dropping it here. <laughs> and then we have Sting and Darby Allen teaming up to go against the House of Black in a no disqualification match. Huh? They're still calling it the House of Black. So here's my prediction on this match. We know Alistair Black, Macau Black, whatever you want to call him, uh, he's gone. He's no longer. He's not going to work for Tony Khan again. Not in the near future. Okay. There was a condition in which he was released. Nobody knows that condition. I cannot find it anywhere. Dave Meltzer doesn't know it, and I thought he knew everything. Nobody knows the condition. Anyways, he's gone. House of Black was him, you know. House of Black, that, that's him, Malachi Black. Uh, so my prediction for this match is Sting and Darby Allen are going to win. Uh, Brody and uh, Murphy are going to, one's going to turn on the other, and that's going to be it. That's the only way. If they would have changed their name to something else, I would pick these two to win. They didn't change the name. 
So I just, you know, you got to end it, right? I mean, if you're going to keep the same name, how can you still call yourself House of Black if uh, the guy that created it and whose last name is in it <laughs> uh, is gone and no longer there? So that's my thoughts. Yours? I would agree with you on that. I think we have pretty much seen the end of days for the House of Black. It's the it's the judgment day, if you will, of the, of this faction, and they are probably going to end up losing to Darby Allen and Sting. Yeah. Now, if they would have changed the name, like come up with a tag team name, I think that they would have destroyed Sting and uh, Darby because they got the better of them last time when uh, Sting spit that mist into uh, Malachi's eyes. Uh, but, uh, since they didn't change the name, I have to, I have to agree. I don't want to see it. I'd rather see these two stay together. I think, I think they could be dominant if they booked them right. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. Oh, and you have the female too, right? The female's still there from, uh, they used to be with the varsity blues. She's still there. What's, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with her. Uh, the varsity blues, they're done pretty much. Brian Pillum Jr. He's on his own now. So, uh, yeah, maybe she'll have to actually put some tights on and wrestle for a change. I don't know. Uh, and then the last match, uh, the main event, is a lights-out match. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs will be facing Ricky Starks. I'm telling you, uh, whoever's booking these matches have got to right uh, these last two, uh, uh, Dynamite and Rampage. I mean, th- these are fantastic matches, especially compared to WWE, and I'm kind of disappointed uh, in WWE right now, uh, and you guys will see why here in just a, a few moments. But uh, anyways, I look for uh, Ricky Starks to get his revenge and to win this match hands down. Your thoughts? Yeah, it goes without saying Ricky Starks needs to avenge his very unfortunate loss at All Out, which I still think was a booking mistake. So hopefully AEW does him right this time and he walks away the victor. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so let's move on to Raw uh, and, the, and their outcome. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought Raw was boring this week. I really did. Uh, if you remember, on the last episode, uh, I could only find a couple matches uh, for their card, which is true for SmackDown as well tonight. Uh, and the reason why was there wasn't that many matches, uh, especially for a three-hour show. Uh, so we had ba- uh, Bobby Lashley. Uh, he actually retained against Seth Rollins. Um, that was a, I mean, I knew Matt Riddle was going to get involved. Uh, I, I think they should have, I think this feud has ran its course. And I think they should just let it go. I know they want to keep Matt Riddle uh, in on television and try to keep his popularity up. But you can already see it in the fans if you go to Twitter and you, uh, after he goes on there, he does not have the same hype as he had just a couple weeks ago. Uh, and that's because it, it ran its course. He need, they need to do something new with him. Uh, so, anyways, uh, I thought it was a decent match. I thought uh, I seen sparks where I thought Rollins is, is, is just, he, he's the best wrestler on Raw, in my opinion. And uh, I, I thought sparks where I thought he was actually going to win and then, Riddle gets involved, which I was looking for that the whole match. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, the outcome of this match didn't surprise me. I think if it had been on a 
on a, I almost said pay-per-view, premium live event, there would have been a better chance of Seth Rollins walking away as United States champion. Because this was an episode of Raw, I I kind of thought it was a uh, it was a done deal. Bobby Lashley was going to retain. Still a solid match, but um, in terms of the Seth Rollins Matt Riddle um, feud, I do think it is time to start to wrap that up now. And allegedly, they are going to finally have a uh, a final match in this feud at Extreme Rules coming up in a couple of weeks, which uh, which I'm looking forward to because I think they just. Uh, announced or are getting ready to announce the stipulation for that match. Uh, but yeah, this was kind of a foregone conclusion. And then you have Judgment Day that showed up, and uh, they had a match against Matt Riddle, who actually teamed up with uh, Rey Mysterio. Judgment Day, and this is this is the right... They're finally doing right by this group, I think. Uh, they actually defeated them uh, via pinfall, and that's what you want if you're going to build... You know, you took Ray's son away from him. Uh, if you want to build them as a true faction and keep building them up, they've got to win matches, and they've got to do it the way they did this match. And uh, so I, I like the outcome. I, I thought the, mat, uh, the match was okay. I'm kind of tired of seeing, uh, you know, Ray Mysterio every week on television fighting against these guys. But uh, I thought the match was okay, but I definitely like the outcome. Your thoughts? It's like we've been saying for a couple of months now, why have Judgment Day not been booked to look strong and win matches? And finally, someone in the writer's room said, hmm, we're going to build these guys up. Yeah, we probably should have them win matches and look dominant. So hopefully they'll keep this win streak going. Yeah, I I agree. If you want to make them, you know, now now they're a four-team, you know, they're a four-man team, I guess you could say, uh, faction. So if you want to make them dominant, and you want to keep them around and have a little bit of longevity. Uh, I think Finn Balor, the leader, he needs to have a title. He needs to have a belt around his waist, in my opinion. And, uh, uh, and, and you know, it's just something every leader of a faction that's dominant has always had some type of title. I'm not saying a world title, but, you know, what are, you know, intercontinental title or United States title, what have you. Uh, so I thought that was, um, I don't know. I, I just, uh, for some reason, I think that if they if they want this to, if they want us to care, then the leader needs to be a belt. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree with that, or you think it's not needed? I think it's entirely dependent on the wrestler, because some wrestlers can lead factions, and they don't need titles to look strong. I mean, obviously, giving them a title uh, in, in enhances that uh, that credibility, but there are certain wrestlers that have come through over over the years who, in my opinion, didn't always need a title in order to, to be the man, if you will. The Undertaker, when he led the Ministry of Darkness. Yes, he was WWF champion at one point, but he didn't need the title to what be about- the dominant force. Ray Wyatt, when he was the leader of the Wyatt family, didn't always need to have a title, especially in the beginning, because it was more about building his character and the mystique. Um, you know, Finn Bauer is a really good worker and I do feel like could benefit from a title, but does he absolutely 100% need one? Not necessarily. Although I would argue that the other examples I gave, those wrestlers were more charismatic than Finn Bauer is. So in his case, could a title belt around his waist help him a little bit for sure? Yeah. That's why I was trying to interrupt you. I was, I was saying, uh, we're talking about Finn Ballard in judgment day. <laughs> uh, Cause he is completely, 
a different character than Bray Wyatt or the Undertaker. Um, and I just, I just, I don't know for that faction, uh, because they've had such a bumpy ride in the beginning, uh, you and I both thought they were done as soon as they got rid of Edge. So, uh, yeah, if Triple H wants to do something, I, I think, I think it would, it would, uh, enhance the believability anyways. Um, then we had Damage Control who had a celebration for Dakota, Dakota Kai and, uh, IO Sky, uh, being the new, uh, female tag team champions. Uh, Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and, uh, Asuka actually interrupt the match, uh, after, <laughs> after they took a few shots at those three. And then Alexa Bliss, uh, challenges Bailey to a match for later in the night. So, uh, we'll get to that match here in a minute. But then, Kevin Owens, who was my dog, uh, comes in and he destroys, I think he destroyed, uh, Austin Theory, uh, pop-up powerbomb, boom, pin, one, two, three. Johnny, uh, Johnny Wrestling, uh, he actually did come to, to ringside and he actually took Theory's Money in the Bank briefcase, which I thought was hilarious. Now, the reason why I think this is so funny is because these two were on a podcast, a video podcast, uh, this week before this and, uh, before this match and, uh, they were on their Sunday. I watched this Sunday night and I thought that, uh, you know, they were hilarious on the podcast. I didn't even know these guys were that good of friends in real life. And, uh, to see Johnny Gargano come out and interfere in this match and take theories briefcase. And, uh, I just, and I'm a, I'm a theory fan. You guys know that, but, uh, I, I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was hilarious. Your thoughts. Well, Johnny Gargano, uh, his comic timing has always been great. So this was uh, kind of a golden segment. And, you know, it's like I said before, Theory, they're going to keep having him lose a lot of matches while he's the while he still has that briefcase. But he's always going to be lurking in the background, and you just never know when he might cash it in. Now, again, am I saying he's going to cash it in against Roman Reigns? I don't think he's going to successfully cash it in against Roman Reigns. I think eventually down the road, when it's time to end the, the Tribal Chief's reign, whoever ends up doing it, that's going to be the person who's going to fall victim to Austin Theory. Well, reports are saying that Roman Reigns is going to keep that title till WrestleMania, and I'm pretty sure you have to cash it in at WrestleMania or before WrestleMania, right? Or is it an entire year before the next Money in a Bank? Well, it's an entire year, I believe so, because originally the Money in the Bank ladder match was introduced at WrestleMania. So it was all in years past, it was always you've got one year from WrestleMania to WrestleMania to cash it in. Whereas now, I believe it's the time that Money in the Bank takes place. You have one year from the time you win the briefcase. Then. Gotcha. So it's, uh, when Money in the Bank became its own pay-per-view, it's a year. From, I gotcha. Makes sense. Uh, then we had the Brawling Brutes. Uh, once again, Old Butch looked like the old Pete Dunn. Loved it. Uh, they actually defeated uh, the Street Profits. So these guys are getting a little bit of a push now, and I, and I like that. Actually, tonight, uh, they're fighting the Usos uh, in a uh, tag team titles match. So I'm glad to see these guys getting a push. Um, I wish to God they would just start calling him Pete Dunn again. You guys know how I feel about that. But at least uh, he's not being a punching bag for xavier woods and that horrible new day group so i enjoyed it uh and uh kind of i don't think they'll beat the usos tonight but uh kind of seeing where this is going to go uh and also his partner um 
they're actually starting to cheer for him a little bit, uh, which we haven't seen uh, since the uh, whole Big E incident. So maybe they are getting over it. I don't know. Your thoughts? Well, again, it's a fresh set of opponents for the Usos. And Pete Dunne's always been talented. Ridge Holland's always had a great look, even if his ring work hasn't been up to snuff. But, I mean, he, he seems like little by little he's starting to get marginally better in the ring. And I think working with Pete Dunne and Sheamus has been a large part of, of his growth. I think he's probably been learning a lot from both of these guys behind the scenes. And he's learned how to be a little less reckless in the ring. Which is which is a key to be to having longevity in the wrestling business. Yeah, and it's a key from uh, not getting sued as well. Uh, and then we have, and this was disappointing to me. We had Ms. TV. The advertisement and the the card said that Dexter Loomis was going to be a guest on Ms. TV, and I actually thought that he's going to be a guest, and they were going to interview, and we we're going to finally hear him and get past all this weird crap that they've been doing like him being at Miz's home the week before and all that stuff. Well, no, he's not there. Uh, but a knife starts cutting through the ring canvas, and, uh, yeah, he emerges. He grabs a hold of him. Uh, Miz and uh, uh, Chompo get away from him, and that's it. We don't hear him on the mic. We don't, we don't I mean, it's just, I, it's just bizarre. Uh, it started out really bizarre, and now it's just, it's creepy, bizarre. It's not, I'm not interested in it. They're losing my interest. And if they're losing my interest, uh, who is a, uh, used to be a big uh, Dexter Loomis fan, I know that they're losing a lot of other fans' interest. Your thoughts? <laughs> I, I guess my question, I have a question, which is, are we sure the Miz is supposed to be the heel in this feud? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that that's a good uh, has he been a heel since the logan paul match though really so i don't know uh, uh I, I mean you know dexter loomis i've said before plays his character per, to perfection but you just can't keep pulling the same crap every single week i mean at some point these two have to fight it out and I, and honestly i don't care if it means that um, Dexter Loomis has to have a match with, say, Ciampa first before he takes on The Miz. I, I actually think that would be a fine, a perfectly fine stopgap for him before he gets to wrestle The Miz. But th they need to do something because Dexter Loomis can't just keep pulling these uh, these appearing, disappearing acts every single week. It's, it, it is going to get old. In fact, it has gotten old and repetitive. So I really do wish that somebody on the writing team would say, guys, we need to we, we we need to do something or get off the pot at this point. Yeah, I agree. And uh, and you've got so many references to The Undertaker here lately. You've got Dexter Loomis coming through the ring. And then last week you had Braun Strowman sitting up after being beat down uh, by the Alpha Academy, uh, raising up like The Undertaker. So it's weird. I, I, I don't know... Uh, are they running out of ideas already? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. But we talked about the Judgment Day earlier, and you talk about giving legitimacy to this group right here. If he would ever agree, would do it. So then it goes backstage, and I know I don't talk about backstage a lot, but this is this is important. 
uh, Finn Ballard actually confronted AJ Styles backstage, accusing uh, Styles of turning his back on him. Uh, Styles wouldn't engage at first. Baylor acts like he wanted to fight, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. And then it did show a little bit of uh, Baylor's personality finally, because um, he actually laughed. And then they he hugged AJ, who was still kind of mad. And what I liked about it was when he walked away, he reminded AJ, he said to AJ that uh, there's an open invitation to join the Judgment Day. Um, I really, really, uh, I, I, I'd like to see, I'm here for that. I'd like to see that. Uh, first of all, AJ, uh, he needs a kick. He needs a kickstart right now. And second of all, uh, I think it, it would help that group as well. Uh, give them some, uh, like I said, legitimacy. Your thoughts? I had actually thought about it until you brought it up, and it is an intriguing idea because AJ is just spinning his wheels right now. He's really not doing anything of note. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, it's either just let him continue spinning his wheels or get him involved as a member of the Judgment Day at some point. And I absolutely agree it would add legitimacy to the group. Yeah. Uh, well, you're smart today. That's good. Uh, so we had a, uh, we had the main event. Main event was Bailey versus uh, Alexa Bliss. Um, Bailey actually beat Alexa Bliss uh, by pinfall uh, after a rose plant. Uh, damage control helped Bailey, right, of course, to get the win because that's what your faction does. Uh, and then they did attack Bliss after the match. Belair came out. They attacked her and brutally, man, they, they they got the best of her. They got the best of Asuka, who these three ladies, if you remember earlier in the show, actually stuck their nose in where it didn't belong. Uh, and then, so we know we got this match coming. Uh, Bailey challenged Belair for a shot at the Rawls Women's Championship at Extreme Rules. I am here for that match. It's time for Bailey to get her title back and the little pony hotel hair girl to go riding off in the sunset with her little husband, Montez Ford, and bye-bye. So I can't wait to watch that match. And Bailey just whooped her all over the place. Your thoughts? <sighs> so, so much to unpack with this, uh, this whole thing that's going on right now. Well, I like everything that WWE is doing as far as how they're booking Bailey and the rest of damage control. So kudos to them on that. You need a strong female heel faction on Raw especially. But what in what in God's name has WWE done to Asuka and Alexa Bliss? Both are multiple-time Raw and SmackDown women's champions. They do not need to be in a faction. And also, first of all, Alexa Bliss is way better as a heel as a very cocky, I'm better than you type of heel. She knows how to cut a promo. This whole her being buddy buddies with Bianca Belair and Asuka, I am not there for. Bianca Belair is fine just being a singles competitor. You know, whether she's going to drop, drop the belt to Bailey yet or in the near future remains to be seen. But I just feel like the other two talents in that trio, Asuka and Alexa Bliss, uh, Bliss are being completely misused right now just because, well, we've got to make Bianca Belair look strong. Oh, that's great. Let's make our two former champions look terrible in the process. That's that's great for business. So, Not it's here funny for you mentioned Alexa Bliss 
There is one. Uh, we're not going to get to it because we're running out of time. But I'm going to go over one. Uh, one story I had for the uh, the rumor mill uh, before we go here in just a moment that involves her, which is very interesting. And you actually hit the nail on the head and didn't even know it. So first of all, let's go over the SmackDown card, which is pretty simple because the only thing they've released is two lousy matches. Uh, the first thing they've said is Roman Reigns is going to be there, the head of the table, and he's going to talk about uh, his upcoming match against Logan Paul at Crown Jewel. Okay, big deal. Logan Paul doesn't stand a chance. It's a publicity stunt just because uh, the dictator uh, of the country wants Logan Paul uh, because he's a fan of Logan Paul's. So, anyways, uh, the other match we already talked about, the Usos versus the uh, Brawling Brutes for the undisputed title. I don't think that they're going to unseat the Usos on a SmackDown live show, uh, and then I'll get your opinion here in a second. The only other match they have booked right now uh, is uh, Braun Strowman versus Otis. So I don't know what's going on. They did the same thing on Raw, and as you've seen, there wasn't much to Raw uh, when it actually came on. So I, I, I don't get it. Are they are they trying to tick us off and uh, make us wait till uh, Extreme Rules? Or I don't I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. Your thoughts, man? I don't know. You know, it's funny, I was doing an interview earlier today where we were talking all about marketing, and I just have to say that WWE's marketing department right now, as far as Raw and SmackDown go, are, are just dropping the ball big time. If you want people to tune into your show, you need to give them a reason to be excited. And, you know, of course people want to tune in to watch the Tribal Chief. Of course they want to tune in to see an exciting tag team match. But what else do you have for them? I mean, Braun Strowman versus Otis... Yeah, okay, we know who's going to win that match. Yeah, oh yeah, Otis is going to squash Braun Strowman. Wrong. It's probably going to be a quick squash for Braun Strowman. Um, but you've got to give us more, more of a reason to want to watch SmackDown. I mean, for quite a while, SmackDown was a much more popular show than Raw was and, had, and was better quality. But now it's almost like the two are, are neck and neck. So, I don't know, WWE, you got to do a better job of uh, marketing your program. I mean, what's the sense in bringing all these superstars back if you're going to have a couple matches? I mean, but uh, anyways, and once again, you all thought that you were going to get off an episode without hearing his name. But, no, we have one more story, and that is a WWE star is apparently getting a character makeover, and Bray Wyatt may be involved. It looks like we will be seeing a different Alexa Bliss in the near future. Tonight on WWE's uh, Monday Night Raw, uh, Bailey ripped on Bliss for being a shell of herself, which is true. That's how they made her. Uh, Bailey beat Bliss during the main event, and during the match, the announcers kept pointing out that Bliss was not putting, and I remember Michael Cole saying this, was not putting, or not Michael Cole, but uh, the other guy, Corey, uh, putting everything she had into the match. The idea was to get across to fans at home that she had lost a step. Uh, since she dropped the supernatural aspects of her gimmick earlier this year, Bliss has been floundering on Raw, and that's true. Uh, and they are using that as a part of her storyline. Also during the main event, the lights went out briefly. Uh, some, are, uh, some are taking that to, uh, to mean that Bray Wyatt is indeed returning and aligning himself again with Bliss. Remember something, she cost him that match... Uh, and I'm going off script here, and I'll, I'll read the rest of this here in a second. 
remember she cost him that match against Randy Orton, but she didn't touch him or anything. She just showed up and black crap started running out of her eyes and got brave, uh, the fiend's attention. And that's how he lost, but she didn't really like turn on him or anything. So this is interesting, uh, if this is what they're doing, but, uh, earlier in the show, uh, a QR, uh, was shown during a backstage segment with Austin theory. I remember that the code leads fans to a video, uh, see it by clicking here. Also, there was another white rabbit tease during a raw commercial break, which just happened to occur just after the bliss Bailey, uh, talking segment earlier in the show. So once again, uh, I mean, I, I definitely believe when they say it's a matter of when and not if he's coming back, but could that be, uh, her, her redeeming story? Could this all be a work? Because also new footage showed up and Bray Wyatt was spotted training, uh, ahead of a potential WWE return. There's new footage showing Bray Wyatt, uh, training in the gym amid speculation that he's returning soon to the WWE. Uh, over the last week, WWE has been dimming the house lights, uh, during dark segments at their shows and playing the Jefferson Airplanes White Rabbit song. Fans believe this is for Wyatt. Some believe it's for Karrion Cross. Uh, Wyatt recently had talks with WWE about a possible return. Uh, there was a tease during Raw that has indicated fans will find out more about WWE's White Rabbit on tonight's episode of SmackDown, which could be interesting. Once again, folks, he's not coming back uh, to SmackDown or Raw, I don't believe. Uh, with a recent hint flashing the number 9.23, which is interesting. Uh, Wyatt was seen training with former boxing uh, welterweight world champion uh, Keith Thurman and coach uh, Kay Wilson. Uh, you can watch that training uh, video. It's on YouTube. Uh, Wyatt hasn't wrestled since WrestleMania 37 in April 2021 when he lost to Randy Orton. Uh, he was released that July. So, yeah, he would be have to be training his butt off uh, to step back in the ring, I think. Uh, so, yeah, man, what, what are your thoughts about this? I, I can see, I mean, there's a lot that I just gave you, but uh, I think it's worth talking about because you mentioned Alexa Bliss, and like I told you, you were spot on. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe, just maybe, we'll have The Fiend and Alexa Bliss uh, with that creepy doll back. I missed it anyways. Your thoughts? Their storyline was never resolved. It just kind of, it just kind of ended and she inherited all of his powers. That's, that, that's the way I interpreted it anyway. Um, so what I, 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 what I love to see them paired up again, I think they had great chemistry on screen together. I think it would be a great pairing because she, like you just said, I mean, she's totally floundering right now on Raw as playing second fiddle to Oscar and Bianca Belair. No disrespect to them, but it's true. And, um, you know, if the, if these videos uh, of Bray Wyatt that have leaked recently are anything to go by, then, yeah, like you said, I think he's, I, I think he's prepping for a return. Of course, we're not going to know when it's going to happen, but, I mean, I think Survivor Series would be the perfect opportunity to bring him back, but remains to be seen if that's what yeah, happens. Yeah, I, I think that... Uh... If you don't do it at Survivor Series, you got to do it at the Rumble. Got to happen before, uh, you know, the Rumble's uh, 2023. I don't think they, I don't think they really can keep it going that long uh, with all the hints and everything. 
so I think you're you're probably spot on. I don't see it being at Extreme Rules. I don't think that's a big, big enough venue. But uh, Survivor Series with war games and everything, uh, yeah, uh, I think you're spot on. I think we could see something there. Um, yeah, so, and also, Alexa Bliss, I did a report uh, on the show, oh, Lord, uh, six months ago, uh, and she was uh, unhappy the way things ended with Wyatt. She did an interview, and uh, and let's be honest, Alexa Bliss is a happier person uh, when she was doing that. That's the best. I think that's one of the best times I've seen her uh, when she was doing that character with the theme and turning it against Braun Strowman and everything. Uh, she actually seemed happy in her. Uh, she had a like a I don't know a bounce in her step that she had lost there for a little bit, uh, feuding with Charlotte Flair and what have you. So anyway, sir, that is all I have for today. Do you have anything? No, I am I am all tapped out. As they no say in pun intended. All right, so you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, the Kentucky Guy and Donnie Cage. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your evening. And as always, God bless, and God bless America. Thank you all.